This is a podcast from Minute Media. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch. Up against the wall. Can't explain what I'm feeling right now, guys. Let's open up that rainbow. Oh, I can't believe USC has escaped the Groundhog Day existence and has ended the Helton era. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Rentro Radio. This is the Carcast after USC's 31-16 loss the Arizona State Sun Devils. If you've seen this game before, and I mean, if you've heard this scoreline before, 31-16, should sound familiar. And if you think that you've watched this game before, it might have been familiar because nearly an identical game to the Notre Dame game, except sort of less watchable. As always, you can follow us on Twitter, Reign of Troy, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Reign of Troy, our email address is randomtroyfansite.com and our phone number is 213-373-1USC Sucklewitz Burn Show. I'm your host, Michael Castillo, joining along with my co-host here in the Random Troy studio in Los Angeles. We're not in Tempe. Alisa Deratola. Hello, everybody. Hello. Uh, this was the first road game of the year. I really had a lot of FOMO mm. about not being there. Well, it's it's Arizona. It's like it's your old neck of the woods. Yeah, like I I lived there for a few years. Like I miss going to Four Peaks. I feel like all of our friends are going. I it was disappointing not 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 to go there, and it's like ah, I w- wish we could have gone. And then I was thinking about it just now. Yeah, it's good that we didn't. Yeah. Um. Uh yeah the <laughs> you it's interesting the way that you started this episode because uh I get why you framed it like if this looked familiar to you or if it was the exact game as as Notre Dame or or any other game from this season and like I get why you framed it that way but I have to admit this this was so much worse than any. Oh, other this game was absolutely this the worst game to, of the season. Th- this was worse than the Oregon State game or the Stanford game. Yeah. And those were much you, quote unquote worse losses. You know what it is? I think it is easier to accept watching a game or easier to watch a game in which you just you watch one team just beat the other. When you get outclassed. And you you watch a team get outclassed, you watch, you know, we're watching this from the USC perspective, and then SC just gets outworked, just thoroughly out, you which know, def- outplayed. Which is what the Stanford and Oregon games were. Yeah. It's just thoroughly worked. And Utah. Yeah. 100%. Those three yeah. games were just, SC had no business being on the same field. Yeah. This game, like the Notre Dame game, was a game in which SC had a million opportunities Against a team that I think is flawed. The the difference is that I, I think Notre, Notre Dame, Dame is considerably better than is ASU. Considerably, like, I yes. think what frustrates and me... And SC played considerably better in that game than this game. Yes. What frustrates me about this game is that I came away from this game thinking that ASU is not good at all. 
Like ASU tried to hand this game to USC. ASU begged USC to take. This is an ASU team that has lost the last two weeks that has not looked good. This is a reeling ASU team. Yeah. Right for the picking. We we wondered which ASU team was going to show up tonight. And was it, it wasn't the, the good one. Was it the good one or the bad one? This is the bad one. Yeah. And SC got what they wanted and, and they did, still, no, did nothing with it. And they still looked... It's not that they made ASU look good. It's that ASU looked bad and USC looked considerably worse. Yeah. Like, throughout the game, it felt like... How is this only a one possession game? Like, how is this a one point game? How is it? Because ASU looked bad and USC looked very much worse. And there are a lot of reasons for that. I, Drake London was obviously missed. Yep. Keontae Ingram goes out injured at a certain point. Yep. He, that was a big problem for USC. Two offensive linemen. The Liam Jimmins uh, gets injured and, and who Cortland else? Ford was Cortland out. Ford was out to start yep. the game. Uh, this, uh, the circumstances around this team are not good. No. Even so, it's the things that were within USC's control. Like the quarterback That situation. drive me crazy. Like I, the, maybe it was just on the quarterbacks. Maybe it was just that it was a one time thing last week that like, I, I watched it and, and I said on the podcast after this is dumb. Stop doing this. And it just felt like, okay, that's a one-off. It's dumb. Stop doing it. It felt insulting to everything that I am as a football fan to watch USC persist in this game, a game that ultimately was between two bad teams where the team that was less bad was going to win. And USC basically condemned about their bad offense to being worse than ASU's bad offense. Yeah. By doing this bullshit two quarterback system. It it is it is just completely A, number one, it's asinine the way that they're choosing to switch these guys in and out. Because Jackson Dart leads a, a touchdown drive and then he's out. And you, you know what it is for me about the rotation? And it wasn't even like specific to that, but if, like if if you want to do a thing where one gets the first quarter, the second gets the second quarter, okay, but then come out in the ha- in the second half and pick who you're going with. Yeah, go with the hot hand. Yeah, in, or, in the third quarter, you should know who you're riding. Who's with. your guy? Yeah, and they or, don't do that. Or do the the package thing but where not, one of your quarterbacks is the primary passer and in between play by play, you decide this guy's coming in, this guy's coming out right. because there were times when in short yardage, it might've made sense to have Jackson dart out there as a, as a run thread on RPO. We saw how effective that RPO was right. at the goal line. That, that makes sense. Instead you have Keaton Slovis running those plays. No, if you're going to have both quarterbacks play, then I mean, I hated the 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 Sam Darnold two quarterback system that USC ran in 2016, but at least I could wrap my head around that. At least there was a rhyme yeah. and reason to. That win. was also one game. Utah State. It was State. one game. Was yeah, it. yeah. Uh, but and and ultimately they decided, you know, Darnold's the guy. So that was just it. Just uh, I could stomach that a little bit, even if I disagreed with it. I like you said, or the Kiffin way, where they did one half and one half, which I don't think is a good way to do it because. But I don't think there's any good way to do the the quarterback system unless you have a Tim Tebow uh, setup where... I I think it's... The only way you can do it is if they are 
drastically different in styles. Yes. Which I think Dart and Slovis can be drastically different in styles. They're not that different. But they're they're not not that different when Dart is coming off of a knee injury and is not that mobile. And they're not asking them to do different things. And they're not asking him to be super mobile. Yeah, they ran a couple of uh, of zone reads and he kept two of them. Um, But he's not out there getting to the edge and they're not moving the pocket around and doing all those things. And then the worst part about it is they're telling Slovis to do those things too, to like equal it up. So you have them running the same exact offense, which just puts both of them at a disadvantage. You're not giving, you're you're bringing them in and out. They're never getting a rhythm. And both of them look terrible tonight. That's and how were they supposed to look anything but th- terrible? This was the worst quarterback play I've seen from USC collectively. Yeah. In since you know you know what it was? We we talked about it before about this year compared to twenty eighteen. This was the first game I thought compared to twenty eighteen in the sense that we talked about those November of twenty eighteen games. SC could have, should have won all of them. Mm-hmm. They lost all of them. And that's how they ended up going uh, was five, and five, seven. five and seven instead of whatever they could have been, right? Eight yeah. and five or whatever. Um, and you look at this game, SC could have won this game. However, they opted weirdly, like almost not to try by the by the way that they by the way that they played and went about the game. And they might have and they might have lost this game with Keaton or Jackson Dart being the quarterback singular. Right. Uh, in this game and playing as poorly as but if you would have just did, gone with one you would have had a better chance to win uh, yeah I just think that one of those guys would have had a better chance to break out of their funk to grow into the game yeah uh, A because we've seen Keaton Slovis be terrible in a first half and then grow into it and be amazing in the fourth quarter so we know he can do that and Jackson Dart is a is a seems like a confidence player seems like a guy we know he's young it is important to get a guy in rhythm and to give him that opportunity. And he just never had that opportunity. He kept coming in for a couple of drives and they were terrible. And then Slovis would come in and it would be bad again. And it just, they, USC set itself up to fail in this right. game because of the way they handled the quarterback position. They might have lost anyways. Right. I'm not saying the quarterback alone is the issue. Right. Yeah. And they scored 10 points in the first half on those dart drives. And I don't think those 10 points mattered in the sense of, like, I think Slovis and Dart were pretty much equally They were not, equally not, bad. Not, not good in this game. Yeah. So I'm not going to sit here and say that one was better than the other. Uh, however, I think SC would have been better served. They would have lied to, the, to themselves and said those 10 points that Dart scored mattered. Yes. And you would have just rolled with Dart. I think you, you would have put yourself in a position for at least him to build some confidence well, then- up. Or vice versa. Or if you just said, we're going back to Slovis and you're just going to ride it out. Whatever it is, like you could have talked yourself into either one because sure. after the at halftime, Slovis had been throwing the ball better, more accurately, but Jackson Dart had the offense moving with an asterisk because ASU was moving USC's offense more than USC was. They had a knack for committing more but penalties still, when, when he, Jackson Dart was. Yes, in there. but still he scored ten points. So right. if you want to go with Jackson ten, Dart, ten points, which seven of those were gifted. Jackson yes. Dart throws a terrible, throws a terrible interception one. in the in the end yeah. zone. Just bailed out on a penalty, but you can, and then he comes back and and runs it in a few places. You later. can convince yourself that like, well, the offense, something, it, it's sure. not quantifiable. Well, yeah, lie to yourself. It's not quantifiable. He scored no. ten points. Let's stick with him. 
Or you can look at Keaton and say he was throwing the ball a lot better. He didn't get the luck that Dart had. We're going to go with him. Instead, what you have is Dante Williams lying to ESPN at halftime about I, I'm unsure. I don't I wonder what that interview what that what he said actually and if it was a huge misunderstanding or if it was one of those things where he thinks that they're going to one of them and maybe the decision is being made by Grant Mara. I don't know I, I don't know whatever it either, is either way he told, it looks, somebody it told looks bad. Stormy Juan Juan whatever her name is Juan Tony or whatever uh that Jackson Dart would start the second half and then Keaton Slovis comes out to start the second half. And like, I don't think that means anything for the team in the sense of like, that doesn't explain why the team is playing poorly, but like there's a out of control level to, to what this team is right now that like, there is no coherence. The, the, the team is, is just out of, out of whack. And they were always going to be a little bit out of whack losing London and then losing Keonta Ingram. But like, you didn't need to add to it. So, so there's a, there's a tweet here from the press conference. This is tweeted from Annenberg Media Sports. Uh, it talks about the, the halftime decision. Williams said Dart had a minor hand issue about in the middle of the game, which played a part in keeping him out after leading USC on back-to-back scoring drives in the first half and causing USC to pivot to Slovis to start the second quarter, sorry, the third quarter, despite the original plan to use Dart. Uh, and then another tweet um, from uh, Adam Grossbard of the Register, Dante Williams wouldn't commit to the two quarterback system moving forward, or just one quarterback. "Quote: I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong." And and this is just this, the whole vibe around this whole thing is it it just screams dumb. It screams stupid. Like okay, Jackson Dart had a minor hand issue. Then play Keaton for the rest of the half. Then. Don't go back to him if yeah. he's having a hand issue and he clearly can't throw the well, ball accurately because he wasn't at all night. Like like we talked about, like they're basically playing at the same level in this game. So just pick one. Yeah. Just, just pick just pick one. Just pick one. And and we're we're talking a lot about this one, this specific topic, not because it's the only problem with this USC team, just to reiterate, it's not that this caused but them to the lose. But it's the controllable one. But it's the controllable one, and that's the one that represents the general gist of how bad this team is right now. The defense is terrible. The safeties are terrible. The linebackers are terrible. The defensive line doesn't get pressure. The corners are terrible. Everything about the defense is awful. The scheme is bad. The angles are bad. The tackling is bad. It's just straight up horrendous to watch as a viewer. So I'm not trying to let the defense off the hook because... I do not think I've seen a worse USC defense in all my time of watching of, of watching USC. Yeah. This this feels like the worst. And I watched yeah. the, the 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 end of the Clancy Pendergast era, and I watched the end of the Monty Kiffin era. It got bad on defense in both of those in both of those eras. This is by the far end of the, the worst. Carroll era was bad. Two thousand nine. Two thousand nine wasn't great. Wasn't good. No, yeah. but this is by far. By far, it's not. Cl- People were asking the question like, "Would who, who was who was worse, Orlando or, or Pendergast?" Like, even at Pendergast's worst, it, worst, it wasn't this bad for the long. Like, multi- Pendergast had bad games, but his bad games are equal to the bad games that Orlando has had so right. far. And usually, it was a game here or there, maybe a, a a stretch of like a couple of games or a couple of quarters or whatever. This is. 
this is bar the first game of the season horrendous defense since week two without getting fixed in any way shape or form and they scored 31 points tonight well, and, and and that's the other thing is is that I, like, I don't think either offense should have been scoring more than like thirteen. The way that like, like I told you at one game, point that this is going to be this is the the this game was essentially what Arizona and Cal did uh, yeah, earlier uh, yeah. in the day, where it was like three three. It should have been three three going into the final minute of the game. Yeah, but but uh, it, it just it it goes to show that that this was a game that USC would have won if they were even half decent. Like it, or or if Jaden Daniels was even half of the quarterback that people hype him up as at, at times, certainly in the offseason, ASU would have run away from this, uh, run away with this game the same way that Stanford and and Oregon State and Utah did. If yeah. if ASU had a good quarterback, and I just I've never been bought into Jaden Daniels. Uh, I don't know that ASU has a better quarterback than Jaden Daniels, but like. They should not have been throwing the ball. Their running back, uh, Rashad White, Rashad White had 202 yards, three yeah. touchdowns, really rushing 7.2 yards per carry, and they should have run the ball more. Yes, 100%. If they had run the ball more instead of having Jaden Daniels throw the two interceptions that he threw, they would have run away with this game. 100%, yeah. So USC was very fortunate that ASU's offense is crap. It's just that USC's offense was way more crap the whole way through. Oh, 100%. Yeah, this, this was the game in which neither team, certainly on offense, uh, wanted to do much at all. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and then come back to talk about more of this game uh, and wrap up this car cast because... Oof. All right, Alicia, I want to talk about the offense a little bit in the sense of we talked about the two quarterback situation. I want to talk beyond that because I think that we have to sort of talk about expectations for for these games. Like, what are your expectations for these games? Because there is no Drake London. And there is no Brew McCoy. He hasn't played all season. We know that. Uh, there were two offensive linemen that were out. Keontae Ingram was hurt. Uh, Michael Trigg is hurt and out. Uh, this receiving core is, you know, struggle has struggled to catch balls that are not perfectly placed. And maybe, just maybe, uh, USC's quarterbacks have have benefited the last couple of years by Tyler Vaughn's and Michael Pittman and Drake London making crazy catches over and over and over again. Right, like. Well, the yeah. knock on Tyler Bonds was always that he'd make a crazy catch and then drop the one in his hand. Drop right? the easy one, yeah. Yeah, and and then here is SC in 2021, and Taj Washington can be frustrating to watch at times because balls that are somewhat close um, aren't necessarily caught, and then sometimes the ones that are perfectly placed can can be dropped. Um, it, it's it's frustrating to to watch it from that perspective. At the same point, again. What what should be the expectations when you have so many guys out? Because it's all, and we've talked about how this systematically USC is going up a big, been against a big hill because this is a system that is not sort of adept for what USC probably should be doing. So what should the realistic expectations be? More than 17 points. I uh, I mean more than sixteen. Or six, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, sixteen points. 
No, here's my thing. Taj Washington has nine catches for 78 yards in this game. He's fine. He's fine. Is he a number one receiver? Probably not. But this is what happens when you have Drake London and and the misfortunes that USC has had with receivers. I mean, it would have really helped if Kyle Ford didn't end up with two ACL injuries, uh, you know, that, that, that caused him to be not as far along in his progression as you really needed him to be when Drake London ended up injured. But Taj Washington has nine catches. He gets 14 targets, and I would wager that of the five that he didn't catch, more of them than not are not good throws. Um, Gary Bryant Jr., six catches, 64 yards. But He but had 15, 15, 15, 15 targets. targets. Yeah. Yeah, and again, I'd wager that the majority of the targets that he didn't catch were poorly thrown balls because Jackson Dart couldn't hit the broadside of a barn and Keaton Slovis was more accurate, but he also had passes batted down and he also had yeah. some issues with, uh, with with placement in this game. Now, do you want your receivers to, to bail out your quarterbacks? Yes, but let's be honest here. Where's the talent on USC's team right now? It should be at quarterback. It should be at, like, I don't think right. it's asking too much for these quarterbacks to be accurate. Now, again, we've we already spent a long time in this episode talking about how USC is screwing both of them over by not letting them get into a rhythm by doing this stupid two quarterback system that that is detrimental to them both. So, I am sympathetic to them on that front, but the quarterback play has to be better. It just does. And until the quarterback play is better, you you can't even begin to talk about replacing Drake London. Like you should Here's my issue. Teams around the country, really good teams around the country, win games consistently without top 10 NFL talent catching the football. They do it. Why can't USC do it? Why does it take a superstar Bolitnikov candidate for USC to say that they have a target on offense? I don't think the receivers are... The problem right now, I don't think the receivers are going to win you games in the in the in the sense that a Drake London can. Sure. Yeah. But there's no reason this group of receivers shouldn't be adequate to beat ASU on this night the way the ASU was playing. No, I agree. I, I, I agree for sure. But the quarterback play was poor. The run game didn't support the quarterbacks and the coaching staff didn't support the yeah, quarterbacks. The, so the, the game plan didn't work. The game plan was terrible. They continue to run. These really anno- the the most annoying thing of them all is is Keonta Ingram. I love watching him run, and if you give him a crease, he will take it. He I it just he's he's got talent. It's really fun watching him run the football, and yet on probably half of his carries, USC lines up with the tight end Eric Cromenhoek usually in the backfield, offset left or right, and every time they do that. I learned this from Shotgun Spratling because he used to do that when we were on the field. Every time you see that formation, USC is running right. Handoff, right. Next time it comes up, USC is running left. Yep, there it goes. It is the most predictable run. Like, I shouldn't, I am not a great football mind, tactically, schematically, anything like that. I shouldn't be able to tell you what USC is about to run. With that kind of accuracy, I should. I, I said on Twitter, like this USC makes me feel like Tony Romo sometimes because I can literally say the 
well, here comes a run to the right, Jim. Like, I shouldn't be able to do that, and yet they do it. And when they don't do that, when they don't run those run plays, Keontae Ingram finds a, finds a crease, usually, and has success. Yeah. And when they do run them, every single time, they're stuffed. Yeah, and we've talked about this run game. The run game has been good this year, and the, the offensive line has been good. I don't want to completely just say that this is the offensive line's problem. I know that they're dealing with injuries right now, so I don't want to just completely say that was it, considering we've talked about it before. They've been fine this year. Not great, not terrible, but fine. But you look at the numbers, and the rushing numbers are just awful. Yeah. Uh, Keontae Ingram, 54 yards. Half of that came on a single run. Uh, but by Malapai, five carries for eight yards. He had a long of seven. Take out the long of seven. He had four carries for one yard. Yeah. Darwin Barlow only got two carries for six yards. Stuffed at the line regularly. Half of those plays were stuffed at the line. And this is one of my issues. Again, there are teams out there with less than five-star offensive line talent who are able to have a run game because schematically they they have an identity that they lean into. And there are teams out there, too, who have incredible offensive line talent who can run power at you, even though you know it's coming, and still win every battle. USC knows this firsthand because USC has, I mean, that was student body left and student body right. That was literally the whole thing. Everyone knew it was coming, and they still just beat you. Stanford did it to USC in that that famous game. You see other teams do it constantly. You know it's coming. USC wants to act like they're that latter, ter- latter version of that team, and they are absolutely not. This offensive line is not equipped to do the whole we're just going to beat you physically thing because they are not beating you physically. And yet USC tries to do those runs, and it, and it utterly fails. Yeah, I'm, I'm just looking at the uh, stat broadcast here. They've got a bunch of advanced stats I've never seen before. Uh, really good stuff here. Field position rate, 40%, 40% of USC's plays were run inside of Arizona State territory. Yeah, that's it. And they had 16 points, one touchdown. 40%. Yeah. Nine runs were stuffed. Nine runs were stuffed. They had a run pass, a sack adjusted run pass ratio of 38 to 63. And they had nine runs that were stuffed compared to ASU, who had six, which was 14% of their runs. SC had a third of their runs stuffed at or behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, 22% of a rushing success rate versus ASU's 45%. Yeah, that I mean, that that says a lot. That says a lot. It, yeah, and... You know, 0 for 2 power rushing. Yeah, and the other thing I want to talk about was, we talked about it in the over-under penalties, how penalties were going to play a big game. Uh, spoiler alert, the under paid out, yeah. or, or over-under. ASU really tried to, to keep me in that one. Both teams, under their season average for penalty yardage in this game. However, both teams did the thing where they made a defensive stop, but... Uh, committed a penalty on that play uh, and then the other team took advantage of it with a touchdown for SC on offense that came in the second quarter when 
Uh, Jackson Dart throws an interception in the end zone, uh, and then they come back and they're like, actually, there was defensive holding or whatever it was. No, it was it was personal foul um, on that play. And then defensively, late in the fourth quarter, with the game on the line, it's eight points, and this is do or do or die. No, one. It was a one point game. Yeah, it, it was, was a one point, point game, game at that point. SC gets the third down stop. All and I have to do is just get the third down stop. They do. And not only do they get called for one penalty, they nearly get called for two, which would have been a late hit, which would have been an egregious late hit. Yeah. Uh, going out of bounds with Jaden Daniels. And then, what is it, two plays later, ASU scores a long touchdown? Yeah. Untouched? Yeah. Can can we share some more advanced stats just to make everybody yeah, real it. mad? USC's average first down gain was 3.9 yards. ASU's was 5.3. USC's average first average on first down rushing attempts was 2.4 yards per carry. Arizona State's was 129. Okay, this is a damning stat. ASU had 24 carries for 129 rushing yards on first, on down, first down alone. On, on first, first down. down. Yeah. And USC had 17 on first down for 2.4. You know how important... There's a reason that first down efficiency is an advanced stat. First downs are very important. They set you up. They set up your offense, the rhythm of your offense. And USC ran the ball 17 times for 41 yards on first down. That means that they were behind schedule 17 times on first downs. Or give or, you know, give or take. Like, that's, uh, it's it's extremely frustrating. It's extremely frustrating. It's, it's just another sign of how, te- like this, I don't like calling USC teams terrible because usually when people call USC teams terrible, what they mean is not very good. And that usually means like, an eight and four style team or a nine or, and three style team not or, good compared or disappointing to compared to what you want. Yeah, yeah. They're not a juggernaut, whatever. Normally it's, they're not very good. And this team to me has now proven that they are just bad. They're bad on defense. They're bad on offense. The coaching is bad on defense. The execution's bad on defense. The execution's bad on offense. The coaching's bad on offense. I am now like, I was very, I was pretty confident that USC would be bowl eligible. I don't know that this team is going to win another game. I uh, They do get Cal. They do week. get Cal. They do get Cal. So Mind you, you never know what to expect. You just from Cal. never. It, the Pac-12 is, well, is weird. Here, here's the thing that I, I was telling you after the game. SC loses this game. However, I think if you played this game 10 times over, I, again, maybe this is an assumption that SC's game plan gets better, which is, you know, not realistic. USC but, plays this game ten times over and uses one quarterback. They win half of them. They at least. probably well because again ASU really tried to give this ball this game away. Yeah, like, I don't think ASU is that good. They 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 haven't. They, if USC if ASU was good earlier in the season, they have lost all that mojo. And right now, yes. right now they are was not the, good at all. And now is the perfect time for SC to play them. Yeah, and they didn't take advantage of that. No, the, the way I look at it is. This reminds me of 2008-18, because definitely not 2008, but 2018, in which you can look at this game and you can be like, you know, there were ways for SC to get something out of this. 
And it would be easier to just flat out say, you know, they're surely 100% never going to win a game going forward if they were getting just blown out and just manhandled and obliterated like they did against Stanford, Oregon State, and Utah. But if they play like they did against ASU, like I think the Cal game is going to be ugly and grotesque and still weirdly have SC in the game in the fourth quarter again. And that's going to be, you know, a non-enjoyable experience to watch as a as a watcher of the game. But it's still going to have SC in the game, I think. And and that is and because of that, I think you can't just flat out eliminate the bowl eligibility thing even though I surely would not well, bet on it. USC needs to win two games. So let's yeah. let's be generous. They need to beat say- one of UCLA and BYU. <laughs> I'd, Two teams that are surely better than ASU. Yeah, I, I, I. Even if we give USC the Cal, the Cal game, even if we give them that, I do not think there's any hope of USC beating UCLA or or BYU. I don't know. UCLA is weird this year. That they are UCLA is weird. Rivalry games are weird. Like weird things could happen. Yeah. I, I just, they they needed SC needed to split ASU and can, Notre Dame in order to realistically. Can I pile on just but, but, some more about this team? Well, hold on, hold on. One of the questions I was going to ask was, you know, the absurdity of like, is there a chance for bowl eligibility? I think there's like a 4% chance of it at this point. But here's the other question. We've seen SC play most of the conference at this point. We've seen them play the good teams like Utah. We've seen them play the bad teams like Colorado and Arizona. If you had to rank USC in the Pac-12... Where are they right now? Because I think I know where I put them. And I don't think I would ever believe that I'd be putting USC in that ranking ever, maybe in my life before. Okay, well, we got Oregon, uh, Oregon State, Stanford, ASU, uh, UCLA, um, USC still better than Colorado and better than Washington State, just on the field. You think they're better than Washington State? Uh, USC won that game. The US, if I they mean, played, if they played that game, if they game played that game tomorrow, tomorrow, again today. Yeah, you I know don't, they're losing that game. Yeah, but I still, I don't know. Did, did, I don't I mean, know that Washington well, State is that. Like, it's I. I don't know that either. I don't know but that, why, Washington State, admittedly, is bizarre given how up and down they've been this season. But to me, that game is such an outlier for USC that I don't know how you can use it to cite anything positively. Like, I don't know how you can say they that, won that they would the repeat last five. that. They have a better record. Yeah, I don't think you could say that SC would repeat, repeat that performance. Yeah, I don't know. Even if you started Dart over again. Like, I don't think that that... I don't think okay. you could repeat that. Here's something that I can say with confidence. Especially, you don't have Drake London. There are two teams in this conference that USC are better than. The USC is better than with confidence. Arizona and Colorado. That's it. That's where I am. I, I think SC is one hundred percent the tenth best team in the Pac twelve. Maybe the ninth best team if if we'll see what happens with Cal. Yeah. Sure. But but even well, then, okay, and in and <laughs> but but even then, like I honestly think the way SC is playing right now. They are in the discussion with Arizona and Colorado, and I know that they beat both of those teams. No, they're better. Okay, here. <laughs> Arizona just got their first win of the season. 
against the Cal, against a Cal team that was down 24 players and multiple Alicia. coaches Alicia. with COVID. But I would like to point out that Arizona, their season high for scoring outside of USC is 19 points. No one except for USC has given up more than 20 points to Arizona and they put up 34 points on this defense. So and they like, also outscored USC with Drake London out of the game. Yeah. So I, I think if you played that game again tomorrow, and if you put it in Tucson, you have to think about it. And, okay. No. And th- how damning is that? That's it's extreme. Here, how the thing. damning is that? Th- I think if that, you that, like, it if wouldn't USC, be an auto win. If this USC team, as currently composed, went to Tucson tomorrow and played Arizona. And I had to set the line. I would set it in favor of USC by three points. And that is damning as all hell. I, I take it. Because so. I will, again, go to bat that Arizona is by, Arizona. by far the worst team in the Pac-12. I don't think USC is at their level, but USC is bad enough to, to for us to have a debate about this, which is just like... Yeah, but basically what I'm saying is I think SC is definitively the 10th best team in the Pac-12. Colorado and Arizona, objectively, are the teams behind them. However, I think you can make an argument that Colorado and Arizona are getting better. And USC surely is not, especially without Drake London and and with, with the guys injured tonight. Maybe this is just punching USC while they're down, given all the things that are going wrong at this Given moments, but it's surely not trending in the right direction. And I, the other thing is, I know that this whole thing is a dead horse because the head coach has already been fired. Surely no one's going to, you know, be kept on. Maybe Dante Williams. That's a whole side no, plot. No, it but- matters, though, because it goes to show the thing that I've been saying for years is that it literally can get worse than Clay Hilton. It literally sure. can. So this goes to show how damn important the coaching hire is because USC can make the the, the uh, a, a bad hire and go four and eight. Okay, we talked about the Clay Helton thing before. This, I un- I understand how this will sound. This tonight, Clay Helton wins this game. Yes. Well, and I've said that before, like. Again, I went to bat for you. Because if nothing else, Clay Helton would have not have done the would the not have done thing. the stupid quarterback thing. No, yeah, no. But th- this is this is my this is again. USC needed to fire Clay Helton, and I supported them firing him in week two. But the last few weeks have been the best. Um, and there will be people who disagree with me because they'll blame Helton for the state of the roster, and I think that's perfectly valid. But, like, in terms of game management, this has been the best uh, um, argument for Clay Helton not being the dumpster fire of a head coach that people think he was. Because Clay Helton was not a good enough head coach for USC. But, like, it can get worse than Clay Helton. It can get worse than Clay Helton. We are seeing what that looks like right now. I think it's a little unfair when you consider that Dante Williams has never been a head coach yes, before. Yes. Yes. So like yeah. him being worse than Clay Helton at game management, like I don't think that that's the ultimate crime on him. Yes, but may- maybe this is you know Bone and and Sosna and the people who are making this decision 
I hope they recognize that, you know, you can't just go and hire some rando person who can recruit well. And that's the difference between when like and that's the thing that makes you great. Like, that's not how it works. You need to find the right guy. It matters that you find the right guy. The last thing you want to become is Nebraska. Or Florida State. Or Florida State. Because, again, it can get worse. USC could have this kind of season with a new coaching staff when you don't get to look forward to, well, at least they're going to hire a new coach at the end of the season. Mind you, I don't know if the Nebraska comparison works because Nebraska's problem is that they don't live in a hotbed of talent. Yeah. They can't luck into having talented players. Yeah. But Florida State SC, is, is a good example. SC's roster is not what it used to be. No. At the same time, literally every head coach at SC has pulled in five stars. A better head coach would get a lot more out of this roster. 100%. Or and, better and, coordinators. And, or... and if you're winning, you're going to get more five stars than you yes. have been. Yes. But every... Every USC head coach, back to Ted Tolner and Paul Hackett and all the bad ones, they still all recruited well enough. Here's my argument. Nebraska's problem is that they don't they don't have access to mistakenly recruited in, da- into uh, to talented players. Dave Aranda inherited a roster at Baylor that didn't have very many five star players, if any. I don't know what their recruiting looks like. Mel Tucker inherited a roster at Michigan State that was an absolute mess without. Pat Rule was building up Baylor, but yes. Yeah, but the, the point being is that Baylor... Pat, Pat ba- Rule. Matt, Matt, uh, Matt Rule. Matt Rule. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> that, there was never five-star talent on that roster. No, no. Michigan State didn't have five-star talent on their... Maybe one or two, a handful, but not... Yeah. It wasn't loaded with five-star talent. The right head coach can come in and get more out of the current roster as produced yeah. than... The wrong one, but you have to get the right head coach. Yeah, and then the, and then if you get the if you get the most out of the current talent, then you'll be able to recruit the elite, elite, elite talent that allows you to then go get the most out of them, and then you go around and you win championships. Because you can't tell me, you can't tell me that the recruiting services were this wrong on all of these players. Right. You cannot tell me that across the board. This is. USC getting nothing out of players that were, by and large, four-star players, five-star players. But here's the thing, though. Remember we talked about the 2019 class and how they got all those guys that people didn't expect to have big early impacts? Mm -hmm. We didn't expect Drake London to have the big early impact. Everybody was talking about Kyle Ford. Kyle Ford did get hurt, yes. But you expected... uh, Well, Kyle Ford was hurt in high school, um, and then played later in the at the end of the year as, as a true freshman, but we didn't expect Drake London had the impact he did as a freshman. We surely did not expect anything out of Keaton Slovis. Uh, and then he turned out to be really good as a freshman, right? Um, and then there was Tuli Tui Pelotu that ended up, you know, being being a really, really good player uh early on last year. Like one, one there's been those class. guys, but there haven't been there's been flashes of freshmen, mm-hmm. but they haven't grown. And this has been a thing for years. Remember when Uchenna Nwosu got really good as a senior? Mm-hmm. We talked about how that he was the rarity. first. Yeah. He was the first player as a senior that we could think of, and that was six, what, five, six years ago. Yeah, five years ago. Yeah, literally five years ago that we talked about. He was the first senior that we could think of 
since Pete Carroll left that had gotten better each year as a senior. And like we look back and we're like, did did um TJ McDonald get better as a senior when he came back? No, not really. Yeah. Did uh did Taylor Mays get better in, in his last year? No, not really. Did did this guy get better? Barkley, no, no, not no. Lieutenant Wilson was that guy. And Michael Pittman joined him. But. M- Michael Pittman joined yeah. him, but that's about it. Drake London got better as he as he progressed, surely. Um, but it is extremely rare. Pretty much what, what happened is p- players have shown out while being freshmen and either stayed how good they were. Uh, someone like a Tyler Vons or an Amon Ross St. Brown, I think, st- were the same player every single year that they were there. Yeah. Which is kudos to them for being consistent. But it's not like SC got them to take a huge step forward. Yeah. Um, and we surely have seen it with the quarterbacks. It seemed like the every single one has sort of taken a step back. Yeah. That you are who you are when you step onto to campus. Yeah. And but that also goes to show that, you know, one good recruiting class and you could have a bunch of impact freshmen who totally turn things around. Sure. And one in, one good recruiting class makes up for a lot of ills. And that's the the quick turnaround that's possible at USC. Plus, but you have uh, things like the transfer portal now and, and yeah, transfers. Yeah. But I keep coming back to the wrong coaching hire. Get yeah. used to this. All right. Uh, that's going to wrap up this episode. Uh, good news for you guys. This upcoming week, we have two episodes planned for you guys. Uh, coming up on Tuesday, we are going to do our coaching uh, tier list. We're gonna yeah, because through... I have no interest in talking about this game again. Yeah. So, yeah. We're, we're going to do the coaching tier list. We're going to go through every single possible coaching candidate you can think of. There's like 50 dudes on our board, and we're going to put them in a tier list. And I think we have to add a couple that we talked about today. I think we do. But yeah, um, yeah we're, we're going to go in there and put them in a podcast. So that way you can, all, if someone thinks, what do you think of this guy? What was your opinion of this guy? You will know it. We will talk about it in our episode on Tuesday. Uh, and then later in the week, we'll have our mailbag slash preview thing over under game. Uh, looking forward to USC and Cal next week. Strawberry Canyon 1230 oh, kickoff. I can't wait for that matchup. Yeah. Mm. Should be a good one. Cheese good it one. bowl ready. If only there was. Don't cheese Rip. Bowl. Yep. All right. Um, that's it. Uh, set your clocks. Go watch the Mexican Grand Prix. And, uh, yeah. See ya. See ya. See ya.